0: cut you off or something else I was gonna tell him to sit, don't sit let's pray thank you for that truth lord great is your faithfulness those who have walked with jesus for years and have seen him over and over intervene provide forgive restore know that you are faithful we're the faithless ones we're the ones that keep wandering around and making goofy choices and sometimes rebellious choices, and you stay steadfast the minute we come back via the blood of Jesus, through his provision, you're there to meet the prodigal coming home. Thank you for that. We bless your name today. Give us ears to hear, we pray, the word of the living God, the word of the living God, not a dead God, not some religious theory. Not the followers of a man who's in a grave moldering. The living God and the living Savior. We want to hear his words today. We pray for help in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Don't be seated yet. Oh, I'm mean. I just want to read the word of God to you. If you want to follow along with the black Bible that's in the chair, it's page 1198. 1198. Just let's stand before the Lord. You know, the Old Testament saints, when they opened the book, all the people stood up. It was automatic. It's like when a dignitary comes into the room, you get up, right? That's the way I was drug up. Anyway, you get up, you show respect, and that's exactly what the people of God did before the word of God. And that too. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Here it is, and you'll recognize some of this, those of you who've been in the Word before. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Here's the good news. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. All of God's people should say something there. Let us, therefore, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Amen. You may be seated. Worship team, next week with Mr. Uh, Ray being here, we ought to sing that rescuer again, don't you think? Dude that's the modern version of amen dude all we are is dust in the wind dude old people get that one great i won't break into a rendition of kansas here so oh we are. stop you're tempting me okay Grace Illustrated, our title today, Child Support. I thought if anybody looked it up on the internet, they said, Oh, good, Pastor John's going to tell all those deadbeat dads to pay up. But that's not what I'm talking about, even though my personal experience was exactly that. Deadbeat dad, lots of hardship because of it. Yes, it's the right thing to do, is to do honorably and do righteously. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our God in heaven who is never a deadbeat dad. Never. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes we think it. But he always comes through in the pinch for what we need. Even if it's grace for dying or for struggling, he brings mercy our way. Okay, so I haphazardly watch a very spiritual television program called uh, The Big Bang Theory. And. uh, yeah, I, I'm not loyal, but I do pick up on bits of it here and there. I see the faces right now, of uh, oh disapproval. Yes, yeah, because if you watch it, then obviously you approve of all the stuff on it. No, I don't. It is one of the funniest shows, though that one. It- But anyway, uh, I think it's kind of fading. But you know these two, right? Sheldon and Amy. Sheldon is this brain, total narcissist, wrapped up in himself. He thinks he's so amazing. Can't imagine that he's not right about everything. Can you imagine a person like that? (laughs) Anyway, they get engaged. He and Amy get engaged. And... um, (laughs) He goes to a dinner with Amy and some colleagues. New, did you see that one? And uh, they're all brains, and they're, and they're so fascinated with Amy's research. And so they're asking Amy, and he's sitting there, and he's struggling because every time he tries to cut in and say, well, you should be talking about all the brilliant stuff I'm working on. Yeah, yeah some of us are that dumb and actually say things like that. But yes, um, They just keep like, thank you, and focusing back on Amy. And he's totally freaked out. He's so upset about it, he goes home, he gets on Skype with his personal mentor. Who? Stephen Stephen. Stephen Hawking. One of the most brilliant minds of our generation. Wrong on a lot of stuff, by the way, but brilliant. And he's talking to Stephen Hawking, and he's saying... I couldn't believe it. Here I am with all my brilliance sitting there, and they're ignoring me. They're not tapping into the brilliance that I have and the wisdom that I have. And Dr. Hawking goes, I wonder if you're seeing the irony in this discussion. <laughs> By the way, if you didn't see what I just described, come talk to me later, and I will do my best. Indigenous People Day, Italians say stick with Columbus. This was in our paper because there was a big do about wanting Columbus's statue down and all of that and of course the Italian community which in New York is large isn't happy isn't happy about it. Here's the deal. I'm not taking side. Here's my point. In New York there were 35,000 people expected to march in Monday's Columbus Day parade. This is the last Columbus Day. Uh, Last Columbus Day, vandals last month doused the hands of Christopher Columbus statue in blood red paint and scrawled the words, hate will not be tolerated. (laughs) I wonder if we're seeing the irony in that statement. Okay, I guess you're getting it, right? Talk about irony. How come it is when we're doing it, we're right? But when they do it, they're evil. Now, there's no better place for me to discover how broken I am. I better take them off before you all sign up to watch Big Bang Theory and you shouldn't. But uh, when I'm driving, I'm always right. No, I'm not. That's the whole point. You know, it's in that context more often than not. My 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 prayer life has improved during praying, uh, during during driving. You know, if you live in Orange County, your prayer life should improve during driving. But I'm driving along. Yesterday, I was watching wild. Double-decker semis. It's amazing they didn't kill anybody. And I'm watching all of this. And I'm watching the impatience and the honking of these other drivers and this person who's kind of clueless because they're doing something they shouldn't be doing while they're driving. And they're backing up traffic all the way up this mountain. And everybody's frustrated and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, that I've never done anything like that. (laughs) No, my prayer has shifted because I'm saying thank you that you've been rescuing me from being like that. We're in the process, are we not? We're all in process. If you've stopped processing, you're spiritually dying. There's no stale. There's no stuck. You're either going backwards or you're going forwards. So I want to speak into that a little bit today if I could. So Sheldon missed the irony. Our friends in the city vandalizing public property missed the irony. I don't want us as believers to miss the irony. I want us to be self-aware as disciples, which is really how we need to grow, that we get the irony that we're kind of messed up. Thank you for that affirmation. Yeah, we're kind of messed up. I always get nervous that people have come to faith, their life got cleaned up. You know, they stopped swearing, drinking, and beating the dog. I'll play it safe here. And that's it. Man, what else? There's nothing else. God rescued me. We talk about that God rescued them, and it's like 22 years ago. What was the last time? Yeah, I said this a few months back. When was the last time the Spirit jacked you up? Because we're still always in the process. We have bad genes. Listen, if you're a note note, uh, taker, the first bullet here is, we are risky adoptees. I want to show you a passage of Scripture. The Scripture tells us in the book of Ephesians that God, our Father, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He chose us. Listen, if you have accepted Christ genuinely, you know what it means to put your personal life in His hands so that He is your Savior. You have that sense that you belong to Him, that you're forgiven. You know that. If that's true, the Bible says He chose you before the foundation of the world. And he's processing you to be holy and blameless before him. And here's how it continues. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. And let me tell you, he doesn't back out of his contract. To the praise of the glory of his grace, according to the kind intention of his will, which he freely bestowed on us in the blood. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And that means... Not only do we have forgiveness, we have total acceptance in the beloved. Christians have to get this or they're going to continue to avoid looking in the mirror. The fact that I know I'm accepted in the beloved, did you see it? Freely bestowed on me, not because I earned it. I didn't light a candle. I didn't hold a prayer vigil. I didn't make a major dis- donation to the ASPCA. Those aren't the things that get me approval with God. Christ's imprinted righteousness is what gives you approval with God. You either have it or you don't. The way you get it is you repent and accept Christ into your life. Oh, and then look out. How fun, right? Right? Yes, pastor. Yeah, okay. No, you're with me, right? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Notice what it says. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. We are risky adoptees. Some people know about this, right? Having adopted. I've had a lot of friends where they've had Fetal alcohol syndrome or, they've, or the child has had some kind of severe rejection or there's some kind of difficulty. And later in life, it manifests and they rebel and they do all kinds of strange things. Angry rebels are fully abandoned. They're full of rejection or whatever it might be. It's a, sometimes it's a tough uphill struggle. Raising those children, God bless those who work at it. We're like that. We have different syndromes. <laughs> Different twisted ticks in our spirit, right? And so, we are all broken. We know that we're broken. And uh, we must know, however, that we are accepted in the beloved in spite of our brokenness. Can you today accept the fact that there's some wreckage in your life still? Still, And God is in the business of changing. You want courage to change? Let me help you. Let me give you some courage to change. Because Jesus accepts us no matter what. If we've come to him trusting his finished work on the cross. If you're trying to earn your way to God on your own, you're not in. But if you're receiving that gift, even if you're still broken, you've got all kinds of warts and issues, he accepts you. You're in his family, and that gives me courage to look in the mirror. I, I almost got a video clip going. It was the never-ending story. I've mentioned it before. I think, Remember that? With the little gnarly uh, gremlin guy, professor so-and-so, and he talks about a mirror where when people look in it, they see their true selves. Well, what's wrong with that? He says, oh, most men, when confronted with themselves, run from the mirror screaming in terror. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. There are things I'm afraid to look at sometimes. Come on, be honest. I don't really want to look at that. So we push it down. We stay in a place of denial. We don't want to grab the bull by the horns and deal with it. There's total acceptance, adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Let me just remind us, the basis of grace. Millard Erickson, the theologian, writing Christian theology, God deals with his people. This is grace. This is grace illustrated, this series. Grace illustrated. God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit and worthiness. It kind of cracks me up sometimes when I think, yeah, I'm pretty worthy. You know, you get this thought. You know, I, I did pretty good there, and you know, we do do good. Otherwise, there wouldn't be rewards and punishments, right? God says He's going to reward His faithful saints. Let's be clear: you do do well if you're serving Him. He goes, that that's good. That that's good. But I didn't get traction. I didn't get on the game list, on the roster, because of my merit. I got on the roster because of Jesus' merit. And I play the game to win rewards when I get to glory, not to keep me on the road to heaven. That's that's settled. Does that make sense? I've met people who they think, yeah, you get saved and then you got to keep it, boy. Oh, boy, you're in trouble. You got to keep it. We're dead. I'm probably going to fail if I have to keep it. What do you think? He simply deals with them according to their need. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness, his generosity. It's a manifestation. Grace is a manifestation of the love of God. We tend to think of mercy. The person you know, deserved to die and and they let him off. Jesus interfered for the woman last week, remember? And uh, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's mercy. It's mercy. But that's only one dimension of grace. Mercy's just one dimension of grace. It's a manifestation of his love. Let's say it in a very short and concise statement. Grace means that God supplies us with undeserved favors. Undeserved favors. He helps us. So the first thing we need to understand, and I'm trying to go bam, bam, bam with this. One, we're risky adoptees. You know, I wouldn't arrest it. Yikes. Talk about household disruption, right? People who are broken, they're sinful. Their syndromes may manifest, whatever it might happen to be. But he embraces them into his family. The second thing is what we just read about, that he has made this commitment on the basis of his grace, is that he has made a radical commitment to us. The adoptees are us. The commitment is his. He's made the commitment to us. You know, in the Old Testament, when God entered into covenant, anybody remember? You just Who's been through the daily Bible? How many of you have fallen back uh, behind? Yeah, come on, let's all admit it. We're all behind. See, I'm happy. The reason I'm happy is you're still reading, right? Okay, that's good. In the Old Testament, God covenants with Abraham. Do you remember that? He says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What's he talking about? He's talking about what we're talking about today, the gospel. That in Jesus Christ, in the coming one, the prophetic illustration in his son that he took up on a mountain to sacrifice. God is going through his son to rescue humanity. I'm making a covenant with you. Now, it was all from God's side to Abraham. He didn't set anything up. God initiated and God fulfilled it. That's the covenant that he makes with us. You have to receive it, but the covenant stands no matter what. Acceptance in the beloved. The old songs, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Those old timers, some of them knew what they were writing songs about. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Let's see one of the passages here. I'm going to look at three of the verses that we read in opening here because they're encouragement. They talk about God's child support. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's supporting his children. And here's one of the verses that talks about it. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession that we believe in him, that we're his followers. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Jesus doesn't wink at sin, just like the woman that he rescues last week. He says, I'm not condemning you. You're free to go. Go and sin no more. Turn. Make use of the grace that's available to you. One who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. We have this high priest. What's the job of the high priest? Let's go back to the Old Testament, right? What did priests do? The priest stood in the gap between the people and God. People sin, everybody does. People make mistakes, they get ceremonially unclean or they actually commit an evil deed and they know they're wrong. They bring a sacrificial lamb to the temple. The priest meets them, the Levites help them. They sacrifice the lamb, they're shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Why? Because the shedding of blood represents a life being slaughtered, a life ending and sin causes death. And so they sacrifice the lamb and the priest pronounces blessing. You've done the appropriate thing. You've said you're sorry. Now I pronounce blessing. Shalom Aleichem on you. Blessing on you. Peace be with you. That's the job of the priest. Bringing God to man, man to God. Our great high priest Jesus has settled this business once and for all. By shedding his own blood, he brings God to man and man to God, if they will receive it. Hey, you've been reading in the Old Testament through the book of Judges, and after Solomon goes off the reservation, you're going to see more bad news if you're in the Old Testament. Have you noticed how awesome some of the Old Testament saints were? Some of them really were awesome. Some of them were like, what? What? And I hear about this, boy, those people back there, they here I am driving up the hill with the wacko drivers and I'm saying, oh yeah, those Old Testament people, they sure were screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you with me? Yes. There's inner secret rebellions just like Nathan and Abiram, just like the kings that rebel later. There's, it's in us. And sometimes we work it out and make it public. So the job is bringing redemption between God and man. In the Old Testament, there was a provision for them. It was the priesthood. And here's what God says in the Old Testament when they were getting the, uh, the really cool um, duds, the, the clothes made for the high priest. Anybody remember that? Beautiful robe. Uh, gold filigree chains, the ephod, the uh, the urim and thummim in the pouch. And when they were doing that, there were stones, precious stones, gems that had engraving on them the name of every tribe. And here's what the scripture says. This, this makes you think of it. When Jesus is our high priest, this is what he's doing. The jeweler engraves a signet. You shall engrave two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. Set them in filigree settings of gold. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron, the high priest, a picture of Jesus to come, shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. Once a year, he takes the sacrifice of the Passover. He takes the blood of, the, of atonement. He goes into the Holy of Holies. Here's another one. Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastplate. They're here and they're here. Over his heart, when he enters the holy place, can you imagine? He's walking into the presence of God. Here they are, Lord. With all their warts, with all their mistakes, with all the goofy things that have gone on this year, we have shed the sacrificial blood. Remember your people. I think it was Fanny Crosby that wrote, praise him, praise him, wasn't it? Anybody, you guys remember that song, praise him, praise him, Jesus, my breast... If I could get my teeth back in... Wait a minute. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, sing, O earth is wonderful, love proclaim, hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Here it comes. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children in his arms. He carries them all day long. Can you imagine that picture? Is that how you think of Jesus? Or are you still trying to earn his approval? Good luck with that already have it in his arms. He carries them all day long. That's why I did this picture. Isn't that a great picture? The sheep, the sons of Israel, the children of God. Jesus, the high priest, comes in and bears them before the Father in heaven. Says, they're yours. You love them. You've paid for them. Help them. Doesn't the Bible even tell us that our great high priest, Jesus, makes intercession for us Every day, I can't get my brain around that very well. I can't. It hits me once in a while. Right now, I'm struggling, Lord. I'm praying with my wife in our living room. I'm distressed about this blunder and this mess up and this thing. And Jesus is praying for me. Duh. Praise him, praise him. I shouldn't have looked in the lights. Now I just see spots all over my paper. (laughs) I can't see anything. Yikes. I'm yeah. I don't know what uh, Paul felt like when he got knocked down. It's like, Who are you, Lord? Okay. So you're his child, and so his child support will come through, brothers and sisters. Even though this is true, there's no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You think about that. This is why I say, all right, now, those of you who are new, don't leave, but this doesn't apply to you. This is why I've said, I think unbelief is one of the besetting sins of this church. Because the scripture says, it's like, God, you're, you're naked under the covers, and he pulls it back, he sees it all. Well, oh, no, I'm hiding this, nobody sees this, because I haven't let anybody, oh, are you kidding me? He's not real to you. Obviously, he's not real to you. He makes a real-time offer. Even though there's no creature hidden from his sight, he sees everything. Even the stuff I'm afraid to look at in my own broken soul. He sees it already. He's for you in spite of that. No, get out. Yes! Oi, If God be for us, isn't there a verse like that somewhere? Yeah, I thought so. So here's the great one: a real time offer. That's your last note on your in your bulletin if you want to write in it. God gives us a real time offer. We're the adoptees; we're risky. He's the committed one. He's made the commitment. He makes the covenant. He's not going to change his mind. Now, the real time offer is for him and us to cooperate. Woohoo! The whole church said a rousing, yay! Okay, that's it. <laughs> All right, have a good afternoon, y'all. It's a, one of these days, <laughs> anyway. So, real-time offer. If God is for us, who can be against us? Here's the verse I want to park on for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Let us, therefore, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's to everybody in the room. Even if you're not in the kingdom yet, he's inviting you into his kingdom. When we're done this morning, people will be blah, 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 and everything else wandering around. If you haven't settled that issue, I'm inviting you to come talk to one of our staff here, myself, one of the other pastors. We'll be up here. Right, guys? And will be available to help walk you to the simple, simple choice of receiving Christ. It's simple. I didn't say living it out is always simple, but it is free. And it's based on his commitment to you, not how well you can perform. Therefore, I'm going to leave this screen up for a minute. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to park here. This is not just general little blessing, little warm spiritual fuzzy, like, help me along. This has some profound meaning and power in it. So I want to unpack it and go backwards. I want to start with grace. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm trying to find that little funky thing. There, yeah, this word grace, right there, grace. Everybody knows the word grace. Charis. From which we get the word charismata, spiritual gifts, right? Grace is kindness, mercy, goodwill. Oh, but that's not all. A special manifestation of divine presence. When Jesus performed miracles, it was a manifestation of divine presence. It was miraculous. Yes, I'm not here. (laughs) I know they're looking for me. It's the IRS. Anyway, does everybody follow what I said? Grace, special manifestation of divine presence, activity, power, or glory. A gift, a blessing. It's not just a general warm fuzzy. Sometimes it's power given to people to do something extraordinary. When you see people, you think the people who have laid their lives down, there's more people dying for the gospel today than ever in the history of the Church of Martyrs and all that. You know, the, the Mart- uh, what's his name? Whose book of martyrs? What's the famous book? Who? Thank you. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Then there was the, uh, the one that the uh, Mennonites put out. Um, the Martyr's Mirror, because there were so many of them that laid their lives down for the gospel. You don't even know about some of that, do you? The Martyr's Mirror, Gesundheit. Today, more people are laying their lives down than ever before. Do you think they're all superheroes? I'm ready to face the firing squad. Uh Uh-uh. They're just like you and me. But somehow, in the heat of battle, something comes on them. Power comes on them, and they rise up and say, I will not deny my Jesus. That's grace. Then there's another word here. That we might receive, that we might receive. It's the word to take hold of, to take with the hand, to lay hold of, to take what's yours, to take it to yourself, to claim it, procure it, to make it yours, your possession. Here's a good way to put it, to appropriate, to, to appropriate, to take advantage of, take hold of, make it yours. It's like in that fantastic movie uhf with uh who was the guy with all the hair weird al yankovic sometimes you got to grab life by the lips and yank and that's what you have to do with grace sometimes you got to grab a hold of it and yank you know what we're too passive it's like yeah well i guess this, this is just the way it's supposed to be really how does it compare to the word Take advantage of it. Lay hold of it. But here's the catch. Somebody gave me a shirt for this one one time. Let us draw near that we might have confidence. Draw near with confidence. You know what that word means? Openness. Frankness. The covers are back. The covers are back. Here's where I'm really at. I don't even want to. I don't want to be changed. I don't. That's honest. I don't know if I really want to fix this. That's honest. I don't know if I really want to go back to that man. That's honest. Be frank. Be open. Plainly. Freely. With boldness. Confidence. With assurance. We can come before God because he sees it all anyway. So he's telling us, come clean with him. Don't try to bull God. <laughs> That's what you try. To, you try to bull him. Don't do it. Come clean. When I admit, and I'm praying fervently for something, and I'm admitting deep inside, I don't know if I really want it that bad. I admit it. I'm not sure I really want it that bad, but God, I think it's your will, so make me want it that bad. Come frankly, boldly, before the throne of grace. Somebody gave me a T-shirt after I preached on this once, and it had Frankenstein. Be frank. (laughs) Anyway, so... Tim Keller, who wrote the book The Prodigal God, has a great statement in there. And I've mentioned it before. And why am I sharing this? Because God's child support is available. And why is it available? Because he's in the business of helping us and changing us. Some of the help you need is to be changed. Have it worked. So here we go. He says in The Prodigal God, this is the gospel. In its view, everyone is wrong. Yay. Everyone is loved. Double yay. Yay. And everyone is called to recognize this and change. Everyone is called to recognize it and change. Old book, The Calvary Road, I've mentioned stuff from it before, but let me just read three short sentences. One, here's the problem. Sin always involves us in being unreal, pretending, duplicity, Window dressing, excusing ourselves, and blaming others. We can do all that as much by our silence as by saying or doing something. So sin wants to offload it. Tim Keller in his teachings on change, on grace changing us, said avoid the false solution. The false solution is I want to avoid the consequences of my behavior rather than dig out the root and kill it. I had a lot of trees on my property up in Broome County, and there were a few that you just could not make the sucker stop. You know what I mean? You'd cut the tree down, and next year, all cut it down. There's only one way to end that. You know what it is. You got to get the root out. Got to burn it out. Do something, right? That was the first one. Don't use the false solution, which is avoiding or window dressing or image management. Oh, I want to make sure everybody thinks I'm cool. Because I already know you're not, just like you know I'm not, if we're honest. Second one, we become so used to the fact that God knows all about us that it does not seem to register with us, and inevitably end by not knowing the truth about ourselves. And that's what I think is a tragedy, not knowing the truth about ourselves. Yeah, God knows everything about me. Yeah, and he wants to show you the truth about myself, yourself. And there's one more somewhere, and I probably lost it. I hate when that happens. Here it is. Scripture says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. To walk in the light is the opposite of walking in darkness. Spurgeon defines it in one of his sermons as the willingness to know and be known. As far as God is concerned, this means we are willing to know the whole truth about ourselves. We're open. I hate to say it. We're open to conviction you know when the holy spirit convicts you it brings brokenness but it also brings joy right behind it because you know he's loving on you his child support is kicking in i'm for you i know i blew it daddy right give me a hug that's really how it works so i hope you're not running from him Think of the promises that are available for us as believers. Are you feeling guilty? 1 John 2, 2. There's propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate with the Father. The propitiation for our sins. Feeling guilty? Offload it. You're worried. You've got worry. Who doesn't have worries? Cast all your cares upon him, Peter says, because he cares for himself. He cares for himself. He cares for you, too. He cares for his glory, and you glorify him by casting your cares upon him. I'm tempted. I'm so sorely tempted. I want to give in. Oh, that person, man, they're offering me that stuff, and wow, I really want to do that. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. He will always provide what the way of escape. Oh, I didn't see it. You didn't look hard enough. I know there are times that you just need strength to get through it. I know there are times there isn't a profound deliverance. And he gives you the endurance. Trust me, I know. But there are also times of profound intervention on the part of God on our behalf. So I'm thinking of a story that I've wanted to tell for a few weeks now, and and I'm going to share it in closing. And uh, God doesn't always do so miraculously or amazingly, but... It's kind of cool to see that he does. But he will support his children if you will cast yourself upon him. So some of the brothers and I went from upstate New York and flew to Senegal on a mission trip. And we were driving in a Jeep with this missionary. He was driving and there were four of us all together Me, an associate pastor, and a woman like, actually, you met Patty when she was here to speak at my installation, my right-hand counseling woman up at my other church. And we're sitting in this car, and we're driving, and we're talking, and we're on our way from Dakar into Chies. And it's a long desert road, and we're moving along, and there's people on either side of the road, and all of a sudden there's a gentleman. He's really not all there. He walks out into the middle of this highway. He doesn't even realize. He notices he tries to go back, and then he goes back this way. It was like a squirrel. And next thing you know, boom, I'm sitting right in the front, watching this man bounce off the front of this Jeep, and like a Raggedy Ann doll, <laughs> slide down the pavement. I'm thinking, oh, gracious. And other things. I thought, he's dead for sure. Stop the car, get out, gather around. All of a sudden, there's a crowd of people, and it's obviously not that we're, we're not locals, that's obvious. The car's surrounded. Tell Patty to stay in the car. We're surrounded. We're standing around this man. We are all of a sudden going to the throne of grace, really nervous, very terrified. We're not on our home turf. We don't know what's going to happen. The police shows up. Police looks at him, doesn't even do anything, goes over and says, you need to move your car back where it was when the accident happened because he's more interested in finding them. We're like, What? Other people finally came, tried to help him. Down the road, he started to come to, and they put him in the car and took him to the hospital. We're standing there planning to get arrested. And wouldn't you know, in the sovereignty of God, the officer's name was Juf, and that's the last name, common and the pastor that we were going to minister with who is like a kind of an apostle role starts churches hospitals all kinds of stuff in the town of chess and beyond his name's jufe and my brother craig calls and he has connections with him somehow we had the phone thank god the cell that's mercy right there the cell phone worked and got him in about 45 minutes of sheer terror he shows up and they start talking. They realize they're probably distant relatives. Suddenly the atmosphere got better. We thought maybe we're not gonna spend the rest of our lives in prison. By the way, the report went home because we asked for prayer. Somebody called out for prayer and the report went around that we were all incarcerated. And uh, thankfully it didn't happen. But let me tell you how cool it was. Begging God for mercy. I mean, think of yourself in that situation. You've been in things like that on occasion. I was desperately saying, God, you've got to do something because we can't do anything here. Nothing. We're praying for mercy. The only thing we did do, I prayed like crazy. I don't even remember if I laid hands on it. I may have. You've got to do something for this man. We not only didn't go to jail, we got to go to the hospital and minister to the man who walked out that night and went home. Went home. He had a scratch on his leg. He didn't care. We were willing to pay the bill, whatever. They were like, oh, nice of you to be so nice. Yeah, well, felt a little bad about it. It was his fault. He didn't know where he was going. It was almost impossible to miss him. But boy, when he walked out of that hospital that night and we went home free, I was like, child support city. The grace of God does show up in the nick of time when you need it. All you have to do is lay hold of it, but you got to come frankly because there is grace and power available for whatever accident is in your life that you're dealing with today. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. Would you stand, please? If you're not settled in your issues with the Lord Jesus Christ, the only true Savior of the world, remember, we'd love to talk with you. While people are visiting and moving out, we invite you to come forward and talk with us about this great Savior who is on your side if you're willing to receive his grace. Let's pray. Thank you, King Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you're a covenant-keeping God. And thank you that Jesus... In your arms, you carry us all day long because there are days we can't carry ourselves, that's for sure. And even when we think we're doing pretty good, it's because of your grace. We just don't see it. And when we're in desperate straits, like the one I just described, that's when it's very obvious that you showed up, but you've been there all along. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for each one in this room that, Lord, if they have not settled the relational issue with the Lord Jesus and know that their sins are forgiven, that they don't have to earn their way to heaven, that you would move them to find out today. We would love to help them. And for those of us who have been bottled up and stuffing down all of our damage and wounds and anger and everything else, would you break it loose for your name's sake, and make us a real church, a lively assembly of disciples who know they're accepted in the beloved and in the process of change. In the great name of Jesus, we pray for your help. And all of God's people said, amen Amen. and amen. God bless. Have a great day. Feel free to come and chat.